welcome to the Life Church podcast. We are here to help people experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus. We hope you were blessed with this message from our lead pastor, Zion Douglas, recorded live from Palmerston North, New Zealand. Enjoy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is so great to have you here. As Sophie has just welcomed everybody, I know that, but I want to welcome you because I just uh, love the fact that we are gathered together still all over our city and our region. We are still able to worship together, still able to uh, be connected during this time. So I hope you are well wherever you are joining us from, whether you are uh, joining us on your own or surrounded by nine of your very favourite people. Uh, I hope you're very uh, comfortable, but not too comfortable that you drift off or anything like that. I was just thinking before that uh, in a in normal church service, you know, to, to get up during the message, you, can, you know, people can kind of notice it, but you've got the freedom to be able to get up and walk away, but please don't do that. And uh, if, if somebody does get up and walk away, then uh, you, you, you tackle them to the ground and you just force them to uh, watch the message this morning. I am kidding, of course, but not really. Hey, two weeks, two week, in two weeks' time, we are celebrating Pentecost Sunday, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Can't wait for that. It's going to be really awesome. Uh, but then also next Sunday, we are going to be hearing from Lindsay Tamblin. Lindsay Tamblin is going to be here and uh, he's going to be bringing the Word. So we can't wait for that. That's going to be amazing. But I think personally, it's just a little bit unfair that I am preceding Lindsay Tamblin because he's an amazing uh, speaker. But I'm also following on from my wife, Sophie. Uh, she is amazing. I think it's very unfair. I don't think I'll ever speak the Sunday after her because she sets the bar too high. But I thought it would be a good idea just wherever you are right now in your home. I know, uh, I know where you, wherever you are. How about you just give the team that is putting all of this a massive round of applause. So many incredible people, well, just actually a very small group of people putting on uh, this live service. So how about you thank them wherever you are. Come on, I can hear those claps in Jesus' name. They deserve it. They're amazing. And uh, we, we can't uh, wait to continue to uh, grow and, and do what we do. Thank you to the team. Hey, how about you open up your Bibles this morning to 1 John chapter 5. We're reading from verse 1 to 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 to 5 in the ESV. And this is what it says. It should come up on your screen if you don't have a Bible yourself. This is what it says. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we, will, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments, hear this, His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith. Verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Let me say that again. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? How about you notice this morning? How about you write this down? I am an overcomer. Write that down in your notebook, write that down in your phone. Whatever you need to do to get that itch somewhere, 
write down, I am an overcomer. Even say it over yourself right at the moment if you're by your, on your own or if you're uh, unashamed to say it out loud. How about you say, I am an overcomer. You are an overcomer. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, would You come and be in this message. I thank You that You're already here. And I thank You, Holy Spirit, that You are in the lounges, the bedrooms, the kitchens, the the, the front doorsteps of every home. Lord, right now, we just thank You for Your amazing power. We just thank You for Your amazing grace. We submit our lives to You. We just give You all the glory and the praise. In Jesus' Name, Amen. You know what? The world has faced greater threats than we are, face, than we are facing at the moment. Did you know that? I, mean, I know that might be kind of, you know, not a great thing to say right now. But the truth is, the matter of the, matter of the fact is, is that the world has faced greater threats than what we face today. Wars, famines, diseases, and so on. There have been amazing things, or not amazing things, very bad things that have happened in the history of the world that are greater and have had a worse effect than what we're facing right now. Let me tell you also that the church has faced greater times of adversity than what we're in the middle right now, middle of right now. The church itself has definitely faced times of adversity that are more severe than what we are in at the moment. For someone else, for you, it might be, you might be loving the fact that you can kind of be at home in your pajamas and kind of watching the service and it might be all hunky-dory. But for someone else, it might be a, a terrible time. Someone else might have just lost their job or you might have uncertainty for your own future or simply not being able to do what you want to do exactly when you want to do it. Could be a very inconvenient thing for you at the moment. I know it's all relative, but for you, the fact that you can't kind of go out and have a, have a group of people over at your house or do what you want to do and have the freedom to be able to do that, that could be an incredibly difficult thing for you to be in the middle of right now. But whatever it is, and whatever you're facing in this present moment, because of Jesus, you are an overcomer. That is the promise that we have in the Word. That is the promise that we have that we as Christians, as believers in Christ, we are overcomers. I'd love if you could just kind of seal that in your hearts this morning. That's really all I want to say if you want to kind of switch off right now. But the fact of the matter is, I will say it again, that we are overcomers. You might not feel that like saying that over your life right now, and I understand that. I have compassion for the fact that many people are facing difficult circumstances at the moment. I know for many people this might be, on the other hand though, the, the only 30 minutes or so that you feel like you're being encouraged. You might have a lot of voices that are coming into your world. Maybe it's something that is externally coming into your world. Maybe it's somebody that's speaking to you that's not a very, in a not very encouraging way. Or it could be internal voices that are speaking to you that are not encouraging at all. But for 30 minutes, I really just want to speak into your life and to declare over our church and our people and everybody that is tuning online at the moment, you're an overcomer. You are an overcomer. You are not what happens to you. You are not defined by the emotions that you are facing right now. And your future is certainly not limited by the personal limitations you find yourself in at the moment. I know a lot of the time whenever 
we face something that is quite severe or overwhelming, we, as humans, we, we either want to fight, flight, or freeze. That's kind of something that we all all heard of or heard of before. The fight, the flight, or the or the freeze mode. And we can first of all fight our way in our own strength, but end up becoming even more overwhelmed or burdened when we try and fight our way through. And when you are feeling overwhelmed or burdened, and you kind of just continue to fight in your own strength, that's what happens. You even becoming become more burdened. Perhaps you're the type of person that compensates when things aren't going your way or going the way that you thought they should be. So you try to strive even more. You try to fight even harder. Maybe that's you today. Or secondly, you might be the person that goes into flight mode and you just completely ignore everything that's going on. It's, it's just time to get out of here. I don't care what's going on. I'm just going to ignore everything and walk out the door. When problems walk in through the door, I'm walking out through the door. I don't know if that's you here this morning. Sort of like playing Pac-Man your whole life when it, when it comes to pain. You're just kind of just trying to get out of the way, just trying to you know, kind of distance yourself from anything, anything at all that would bring you pain. And I know that there are many here this morning, many here today that are facing the same, we're facing issues when it comes to, maybe when it comes to God. And I really want to have all the good stuff and get all the, get all the tingles. And I want to feel that God is here and that God is for me. But as soon as I feel convicted about something when it comes to being in church or being a Christian or, you know, being around people that love God and you really want to kind of be involved and everything like that. But as soon as you feel that sort of conviction or that sort of kind of someone, something's confronting you, that's Holy Spirit, by the way, you kind of just, no, I'm out of here. I'm leaving right now. Or thirdly, you might be in a place where you just become frozen. You're just someone that becomes frozen like an emu, sticking its head into the sand, not wanting to do anything at all. And sometimes we can be like that as Christians, that instead of overcoming what is in front of us, we freeze and we just stick our head in the ground and just hope that it passes us, passes us by. I'm going to just stay here and pretend like nothing happened. But let me, let me tell you this morning that today is not the time to give up. That as a church, that we are not going back. We're not shrinking back. As a people, as Christians, our responsibility during this time is not to shrink back and become fearful or intimidated or overwhelmed by what is happening in our world. Today is the day. Now is the time for the church of Aotearoa to stand and be the light in the world. While people are kind of throwing around conspiracy theories, and I know for sure there might be some people watching saying, well, I've got a conspiracy theory that is actually a real conspiracy theory. Well, put that in your back pocket, because right now I would really encourage everybody to start being the light in the world like we're meant to be. There might be people that are watching you right now as a Christian, and you are defining what it is to them to be a Christian, to be a Jesus follower, that is meant to be overcoming and not submitting to the pressures and to things that are happening in our world. You're not an overcomer because of your performance. You are an overcomer because your identity comes from the one who overcame it all. Let me say that for the people sitting in the corner down the back. You are not an overcomer because of your performance. You cannot achieve your way to becoming an overcomer. You, 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 can't, you can't get there on your own. 
You are an overcomer firstly. It starts from a place of identity. And that identity became from the one who overcame it all. And John 16, 33 says, I've told you these things so that, in, so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. That's a promise from the Bible. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. In this, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, this is Jesus, for I have overcome the world. You will have trouble, but Jesus has overcome it all. And I think that if there was any man who was, who was an overcomer in the Bible, it was Joseph. Joseph to me, as soon as I was reading the Word and kind of thinking about what, who, this, who could exemplify this, my thoughts went straight to Joseph. And the amazing thing is that he's in, in the book of Genesis, and nearly a quarter of what is written in Genesis is devoted to this one man. Chapter 37 to 50 are devoted to the struggles and to the overcoming of this man. And in Genesis 37, Joseph had a dream. I know this morning that a lot of people, you're probably like Joseph at the beginning of the story, you had a dream. Whatever it might have been, you might have been going through an amazing summer. You might have gotten out your notebook on January the 1st or 2nd, and you might have started writing down your dreams. Well, Joseph didn't just have a dream that came from his head. Joseph had a dream that came from God. In Genesis, well, not, not only once, by the way, he, he had a vision that came from God twice. Imagine that. I mean, one time, sure, you can kind of think that's a fluke, but two times, mama, that's the Lord. And Genesis 37 says that Joseph's brothers hated him because their father, Jacob, loved Joseph more than his other brothers. And that's an amazing thing to, to be in, that your brothers already hate you before you've even brought them this dream. And in verse 2, it says, Joseph reported to his father, this is why they hated him, Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brother were doing. I... If you, don't do that. If you've got a lot of brothers, don't do that. Because from personal experience, don't do that. Anyone with older brothers, you know that if you've got older brothers, that is a bad idea. So then God gives Joseph this dream, this, this, this great dream. And he's only, he's, only, he's only young at this time. And that, that is what many of us have today, like I just said. Dreams of what our lives could be like. Dreams of the way things are meant to be. Dreams of what life could be like just around the corner at the most optimum moment of, uh, of, of what our life could be. Perhaps you don't even have a dream anymore because of all the stuff that has happened or things that have happened in your past. Maybe the reality of your circumstances hits you right in the forehead and you're not willing to fight through it or overcome it. Whatever your view is of yourself, and whatever your view is of your future, the truth remains the same. That in Jesus, you are an overcomer. Oh, I heard you say that, praise God. That's, that's good. You are an overcomer in Christ. Revelation 12, 10 to 11 says this. Then I heard a loud voice shouting from across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. Verse 11, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, he has been defeated. The enemy has been defeated. As for Joseph, from the time he received his coat of many colours, he was about to begin a journey where he was going to have to overcome trial after trial. He was, he was, he was about to start on this journey. He didn't even know it yet. He had a dream. He didn't even know what was to come. 
And his life played out in a, in a way that looked nothing like the dream for a long time. I think we've got to get some insight into this. Just because you've got a dream doesn't mean that there are going to be things in your life that you're not going to have to overcome. In Psalm 105, 18 to 19, in the Passion Translation, it says, But he had already sent a man ahead of his people to Egypt. It was Joseph who was sold as a slave. His feet were bruised by strong shackles, and his, whole, and his soul was held by iron. But hear this, God's promise to Joseph purged, which means to get rid of, purged his character. Persia's character. God's promise to Joseph, God's promise to Joseph, God, God, God's dreams that he gave to Joseph purged his character, meaning that God placed dreams inside of him and everything that was not meant to be within him was going to be exposed and taken out of him to develop his character until it was time for his dreams to come true. Oh, until it was time for those dreams to come true. And so often the greatest things that we need to overcome aren't what we are facing in the physical, but what we have allowed to seep into our lives. And I encourage everybody, I'm not, I'm not talking overcoming the world as in let's go up onto Porkchop Hill and wave a flag and say, we have overcome, woohoo. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something that's so much more significant, not taking ownership and authority over a, over a piece or a place. I'm talking taking ownership of the character that is within you. That is where I believe that the church at this moment needs to have authority to overcome. And the reason why this is so important for us is because for many listening to me today, life is not going the way that you, want, that you wanted it to be or expected. You often think that God is just wanting something from us or for us. We want something from God or we want something, or we want something for us. Where I believe most of the time he's simply just wanting to do something within us. So let's look at the story of Joseph and the first thing that he has to overcome. My first point this morning is he had to overcome, number one, better rejection. He had to overcome better rejection. Joseph was sent to his brothers by his father in verse 18. And so they plotted to kill him. But instead, they ended up throwing Joseph into a well and then sold him to Ishmaelite traders for 20 pieces of silver. And I don't know about you, but I can't even fathom being sold off by, by my brothers and being, uh, being given a, a bunch of silver in return. But as we all know, rejection hurts the more that we trust the person that we are in relationship with. The, the more that we trust that person, the greater the hurt comes, the greater the rejection comes. And if you're someone that is needing to overcome rejection today, I know that there are probably many people that are listening this morning that, are, that need to overcome the rejection that they have faced or that they have been through in their lives. The antidote, the antidote to rejection is simply the acceptance from a God that will never fail you. You're looking for the antidote in all the wrong places. You're trying to get over, overcome this rejection that you're facing, this rejection that has overcome you and is a weight on your life. But the antidote that you're looking for is acceptance from God. Whether it was your spouse, I'm getting, I'm getting real here. Whether it was your friend, a good friend that has rejected you, whether it is your boss or a letter in the mail with some news that you did not want, you were chosen before you were ever left behind. You were chosen by God before you were ever left behind by anybody in this world. 
In Ephesians 1, I'll just, I'll just read verse 5. It says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. It gave God great pleasure to accept you into his family. And this morning, if you're not in the family of Jesus Christ, here's an invitation that is wide open for you. There is a door that has been opened by a savior that is a gentleman and he wants to take part in your life and he wants to have eternity spent with you. You don't have to be overcome by rejection. It is not part of your life. It's not meant to be part of your life. Accept Jesus because he has already accepted you. Number two, we need to overcome seductive temptation. We need to, as a, as a church, we need to overcome seductive temptation. Joseph is brought into the house of Potiphar's, Potiphar's house when he arrives in Egypt. And Potiphar isn't just any man, he's the captain of the, of the guard of the, uh, Pharaoh. And Joseph was blessed, the Bible says that he succeeded in everything he did, so was put in charge of the entire household. Imagine that, coming in as a slave, and then whoop, 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 you're at the top. You're overseeing the household. That's how blessed and favored that Joseph was. And don't be surprised if you walk into something and God blesses you so much that he gives you responsibility. But with great responsibility comes something. I'm sure if you want the answer to that, go watch Spider-Man. It's in that movie. I can't remember the line, and I think it's too corny to say here. Anyway, in, Joseph, uh, in Genesis 39, 6-8, it says, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Alrighty, verse 7. <laughs> verse 7, and Potiphar's wife, so my, my wife's just shaking her head. She's just like, no, you're not Joseph. You're Zion. Know your place. No, she's not. No, she, she loves me. That's good. Okay, moving on before the whole church gets involved. Joseph, don't, you don't need to send me messages. I love her. She loves me. It's all good. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. Potiphar's wife wanted to sleep with Joseph. I, that's very clear. But notice that she demanded of him. She didn't ask, she didn't request. She demanded of Joseph. You find that temptation is seductive and it will demand of you. You think it's a nice thing. You think it feels good for a moment. But let me tell you, it will feel okay, it will feel good for a moment, but it will demand of you for the rest of your life and if it's not dealt with. It will demand your focus. It will demand your righteousness. It will even demand your future if you don't overcome it. Jensen Franklin says, if you don't deal with your temptation, your temptation will deal with you. In 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 just to put us all in the same boat, it says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. You are facing the exact same things that other people in your life and in your world face too. Do not put yourself in a place where you are in a corner, you, you, you hide yourself away because you feel like you're the only person that is dealing with the things that you're dealing with. 
every person. The Bible says that everybody, their temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. They're no different from what others experience. We all have to deal with temptation. We, we all have to deal with it. For, whether you're 8 to 80, I heard it once say, everybody has to deal with seductive temptation. And Jesus said to watch and pray that you don't enter into temptation. Matthew 26, 41. And every day, the decisions we make are going to allow Holy Spirit to move through us or not at all. It's, it's like going out and buying a brand new Ferrari. I pull it up and grabbing this Ferrari, and I don't know about you, but I've, I've never sat inside a Ferrari, let alone touched one. And, uh, but imagine if you were able to go and buy yourself a Ferrari and you, you kind of bring it home. It's an amazing thing. You're like, wow, this is, this is incredible. And then you go inside, you get some soda water, get all these bottles, and start pouring it into the, into the tank. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's okay. That, that's fine. I mean, and, and, then you, and then you go jump into it. I mean, surely if you don't start the car, if you don't start the Ferrari, I'm sure that you could get that soda water out. But let me tell you that that, that, that Ferrari with that soda water, whatever you, else what you want to say, because soda water, I, I use soda water because soda water is disgusting by itself. Don't, don't, no, no offense. <laughs> but it's not going to work. It's not, it's not going to drive. The, the, the value of the car is still the same, but the function of it cannot it cannot be the same as it were. Does it, does it change the value of the car? Theoretically, no. Can it operate as it's meant to? Of course not. Do people still think it looks good on the outside? For sure. But as beautiful as any car is, the primary purpose of it is to drive. And the primary purpose of every person, you and I, is to be carriers of Holy Spirit. But we cannot allow ourselves to carry Holy Spirit and at the same time being seduced into temptation time after time after time. As a Christian, you might be thinking, well, there is no way I can get rid of the soda water, theoretically, that is soaked within me. Well, the good news, friend, is that because of the grace of God, no matter how much sin consumes your life, it only takes prayer. It only takes one prayer to wash every bit of sin from your life. I know God is so much more interested and you're overcoming the seduction of sin internally, then He is wanting you to look good externally. Let's not be people who look good on the outside, but are messed up within. Let's deal with what is going on, on the inside so that we can live as we are meant to. The third thing we're meant to overcome, I'm running out of time, is false accusation. False accusation is the third thing we need to overcome. Joseph ran away, leaving his cloak in her hands. She, she wanted him. He said, no, he ran away. Genesis 39 talks about how she kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. And then she said he, he raped, I shouldn't use that word, sorry. He, 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 did, some, he did that to, to, to her. And Potiphar, see, Potiphar was furious when he heard the wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. If you're here today and you feel like the, the world has been thrown against you. you. You've done something wrong, but you feel like there's false accusations going your way. I just want to remind you that your reputation doesn't need to be protected or secured. Joseph didn't deserve it. He was doing the right thing, but yet he was still wrongfully accused. I know this doesn't measure up at all as an analogy, but I remember one time when I was 
in high school when I, I walked in after a long summer and uh, my hair had easily bleached when I was a teenager in the sun and in the pool with chlorine. And I walked in and, and my teacher thought I had I dyed my hair uh, blonde. And so he said, what are you doing? You got you've dyed your hair. I said, no, I haven't. You've dyed your hair. No, I haven't. You've dyed your hair. No, I haven't. He said, okay, that's okay. Just go outside and wait until I can give you a proper talking to. I just felt in the moment like my integrity was being questioned right to the inside of me. And this was just talking about my hair. Imagine what Joseph is facing in this moment. But the amazing, amazing thing is that our Savior knows how we feel. Every time we are shut down, brought down, and given labels that are not meant to be on us. Isaiah 53 tells us how that God was pleased that Jesus' reputation was destroyed because He knew all the good that was to come of it. You may not be able to control what is said about you, but you get to decide how you respond. First Peter 3 says, Do what is right, that if men speak against you, calling you evil names, they will become ashamed, ashamed of themselves for falsely accusing you when you have done only what is good. You're not the owner of what you carry. You're not the owner of your reputation. You're just meant to steward what you have not control it. Don't worry about controlling how other people think about you. Just steward what you have and use it to the best of your ability. Amen. Fourth thing. Number four, we need to overcome sustained obscurity. Sustained obscurity. Joseph was in the prison for eight to 10 years. It's a long time. I don't know, but for me, eight to 10 years is a very long time. Then Pharaoh sends his baker and his cupbearer into prison and Joseph interprets the dreams. And I'm going to really shorten this down. But, but essentially the, the cupbearer has come. Uh, the cupbearer and the, the baker come and Joseph interprets their dream. And it's an amazing thing. And they're like, wow, thank you so much. And he says what's going to happen. But then, but, but then the, the, the baker and the, and, and the cupbearer get taken out. And this is what it says in, in, in Genesis 40, 23. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Never giving him another thought. And let me tell you, prestige will break you if you don't allow obscurity to make you. Many people love being, having prestige. Let me, let me tell you, if, if I'm, I'm no, no one to talk about myself. I don't have any prestige. But hearing from other people, hearing, like seeing stories of people that have some sort of prestige, it's not the great way to live when everybody knows you and wants to be in your world. But if you don't allow obscurity to make you, it will break you when you're in the limelight. Noah, who alone found grace in the eyes of the Lord, he toiled and he, and he worked for 120 years, performing a seemingly unnecessary, important job. Moses, he, he went into the desert too for 80 years. David, he was living in obscurity, surviving the wilderness. John the Baptist, he went into the wilderness, went away from a high position, went out in the basket and he, and he chose obscurity. Poor, oh, sorry, Paul did that, went out, went out in the basket. We need to overcome sustained obscurity. Sustained obscurity. Number five, we need to overcome self-centered motivation. Self-centered motivation. When Pharaoh began to have visions of his own, the cupbearer finally remembered about Joseph interpreting the dream. What I know is that you, if you take all the credit when things are going well, you generally carry all the blame when things fall apart. And in Genesis 41, 14 to 17, Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was brought to him. And it was an amazing thing because Pharaoh had all these dreams and visions and 
And Joseph was able to interpret them. And, and, and it says then, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night and no one here can tell me what it means, but I've heard that you, when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Verse 16, it is beyond my power to do this, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. God can tell you. The amazing thing was, is that Joseph could have claimed all that, all that power, all that greatness to himself. He could have elevated himself saying, yes, this is because of me. But instead of elevating himself, he decided that moment to elevate God. We need to, as a church, be people that overcome our self-centered motivation and live our lives with the glory of God. Psalm 9 verse 1 says, I'll praise you, Lord, with all my heart, and I will tell you of all the marvelous things that you have done. When we give our whole hearts to Him, it leaves no room for someone else to be king. Jesus is the king of our lives, and there is no place for us to sit on top of Him. The last thing we need to overcome as the team comes, We need to overcome potent offense. We need to overcome potent offense. The brothers arrived in Egypt in search of grain because of the famine that was happening in the land. In Genesis 45, the brothers are there and in this moment, Joseph has so much power. Joseph has authority to be able to say, kill these men for what they did to Joseph all those years ago. His brothers not even recognizing who he is, not even recognizing that it is their brother that stands before them. And in that moment, Joseph, he can decide whether these men live, his brothers who let him down, who sold him, who took, who sent him away knowing that he was gonna live a life of slavery, or he could spare them. In verse three, It says, I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said. So they came closer and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery, sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Amazing thing is that forgiveness is not just a feeling, but it's a decision that we make because we want to do what's right for God. And you'll know if you're still offended by someone, if you find yourself in a place of power, but you still refuse to hurt them. And I want to encourage everybody here today that you will be in a place at some point or another where somebody has hurt you, somebody has offended you, somebody has said something, somebody has done something. Somebody has struck you down or, you know, it might might be a a small word or it might be something a little bit larger, but you will be in a place at some point in your life, let me tell you, that you have the ability to stomp on that person's future. But the person and the people that can overcome their own offence are people who can say, you did this to me, but I refuse to do it back to you. It's surprising how many people are walking through life being tripped up by something that happened behind them. We, we have Christians that are walking through life, but it's the things that in their past that are tripping them as they walk forward. Let me tell you that we can't live a life where we're tripping over things that have been in the past. 
Let's be people who overcome our offence. Let's be people who overcome the hurt of our past and give it all to Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can comment, subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information, visit us at lifechurchpn.co.nz. Have a blessed week.